0: because i had built myself up publicly only to have it literally come crumbling down in an instant of this what i thought was just like hey what's helping and what's not helping oh <laughs> demonic practices like that is not what i where i thought that that was going to go and yet that is where it went welcome to she is risen the podcast where the woman new or mature to her faith can come to learn, decompress, and heal the anxiety keeping her from living a deeper, connected, meaningful, and purpose-led life. I'm your host, Riley June, cognitive behavioral therapist and woman of God. Six years ago, I was riddled with anxiety, lost in new age practices, and I've been blessed to be saved and go on to help thousands of others heal their anxiety and deepen their relationship with Christ. You are not alone. I am here to help. Tune in for the weekly therapy your soul has been praying for. Hello, and welcome back to another episode, I swear. I am never recording. <laughs> I say this and immediately I feel convicted to say like never say never. I am done with recording new intros for the podcast. I'm done changing the podcast. I'm done changing the name, the cover, the details, all the things. I'm done changing it. I if you go back and like listen to the episodes over the last year, you're like, "Oh, it's a new name. It's a new name. It's a new name. What is she doing?" Let me just like take a moment to one, outline what we're going to be talking about today, how that's even relevant to what I kick this off with. Um, I'm going to throw in a little bit of a life update because there's been so many things going on and then I'm going to be sharing with you what we have that's going to start running uh, starting on November 6th, which is really exciting. So first of all, welcome to the She is Risen podcast. Honestly, it's so incredible and so fascinating to me how God works through us in such miraculous ways and he uses us exactly as we are to do his work oh we're gonna unpack that one today and I want to say that again because I think that there's maybe even you listening to this are feeling like how can I be a good servant of God how can I be a good example of what it means to follow Christ like, who, who am I to tell somebody else about, you know, a better life or a better way or a better experience in Christ when I say that I am, but I don't even follow that or I don't feel like I follow that. I want to share with you right now, and this is going to be the preface of this whole episode, is that God will use you exactly as you are, okay? I think that that's so important. There's layers to this. We're going to talk about this, but I have utilized this podcast as a platform for God to help me sort things out within myself, within my life, hold me accountable, teach me. God has literally used this podcast to teach me about myself as I teach you. I think that there's such this like influential factor for anybody listening to anyone online now where everyone's positioning themselves in a, as an authority of some degree or experience. And though if you were to come to me and talk to me about anxiety, like I would, I would acknowledge myself as an expert in this field based on what I know, my continuance of learning, the, just the actual tangible um, demonstrations that I have been able to walk other clients through, testimonies I have been able to walk other clients through, with helping them to manage and sort out and overcome their anxiety. And it's so interesting how we so quickly will put people on a pedestal, right? Oh, you know, they say they're this, or they say they know this, or they say they do this. They must have it all figured out. Y'all, this is like a moment of just like awareness or recognition. We're all doing the best that we can with what we are given at any given point in time. Okay, so even someone who is a neuroscientist might not actually know all of it, right? Somebody who is the best at business might not know all of it. Someone who has the greatest mom hack account on Pinterest and Instagram and TikTok and all the things might not actually have motherhood figured out. We really have to check our idols. We really have to check our idols. I spent the last two years In this place of like internal conflict constantly where it was like all shedding all the things spiritually and mentally and physically and emotionally of what I knew to be true based off of new age practices. And even like childhood and adolescence and my teenage years and so, excuse me, oh my goodness, so many things. I have also spent this last year Building in new habits and awareness and understanding and growth and healing. And though I do believe that we can actually, like, tangibly, here's the line, heal from something. And I really have found that that line becomes the more and more you just choose daily to submit to Jesus. At some point, you're going to stop praying over something. You're going to stop needing to ask for something. You're going to stop needing the treatment towards something. Like, I really do believe, especially like m- emotionally. Sometimes we have physical illnesses that like God has just willed for us in our life as hard as that is to understand. That's just a a part of the journey that he had destined and planned for us. But especially when it's emotional things like there's a line where you actually can forgive the person who hurt you, where you can actually forgive yourself for forms of sabotage or ignorance or injustice or whatever that is there is actually a line where it can be like you are actually in fact healed from this but it's also in a daily discipline it's in a daily decision and sometimes that takes longer for others than than the next person and so we really need to check our idols so I've been in this place of confrontation where it's like I need to be like these people or I need to be like this person or I need to do this thing or I need to create this experience or uh, all this I need to do is externally or I need to present myself externally. When I started diving more into just my discipline around reading the word, I don't read it every day. Uh, Well, that's not true. Actually, I do read it every day. But sometimes it's not as like I'm sitting down and it's like a practice. Sometimes it's kind of like on the fly and I'm like, ah so i need to get this in let's be honest sometimes i'm just like i need to get this in but what i come to find is even in those moments where i'm like i need to get this in it's like this conviction of the holy spirit to make sure that i'm that i am checking that box that i am getting it in and i find that even if i approach it with that mindset and that type of energy i still end up pausing and sitting with it and actually reflecting on it I've been utilizing the Bible app, so it's just the Bible app, and I play it, so it reads it to me every night before I go to sleep. Not only does it make me fall asleep so much faster, but I've also found that in doing this, instead of like watching TV or scrolling on my phone I'm learning more of the stories throughout the Bible and just about the prophets and the disciples and the apostles and their journeys and the context of God and his character and all the things. I'm learning so much more, not intentionally like, oh, I want to learn this, but just I want to hear this. I want to know about this. I, I want, I feel the deep need to just spend more time in it. And when we are mothers... Or when we have, we're women with busy lives, we don't always just have the time to just do all the things that we wanna do, whether we think or know that it's actually good for us, like exercise and eating better. We oftentimes haven't built in the habits to make those things a priority. A priority as much as we know that they are good for us I know sitting down intentionally getting up early sitting down intentionally with the word is incredibly beneficial for me not only spiritually but emotionally and mentally and physically it sets my day up to be so much better I have way more patience and peace I can approach things more calmly and and not just always logically but like intentionally and like it's just an overall best way to start my day do I do that no, not every day. Why? Because I, I'm building in the habit, right? Like you want to lose 100 pounds, you got to build in the habit of learning to show up consistently. You're not going to lose 100 pounds overnight. You're not going to have that habit overnight. It's You got to work on it every single day. So I take every single day as the day is. Some days you get bad news. Some days you get great news. Some days the day looks like the same as it did the day before. I have found that as I look at as or sorry as I came to really stepping in more to the discipline of tuning into the word and taking charge of my life that what I thought I needed to do externally and how I was comparing myself to everybody else and where they were on their journey I realized that my purpose in that moment when I started a year ago was actually to just simply learn to be a more patient and present mom. And so as much as I'm a very motivated, very driven, self-driven person, God was actually calling me to lay down all those ideas of what I thought I needed to do and start submitting to what he needed me to do. Because I've realized that I'm someone who's really like a no BS kind of person, I typically tend to call things as it is. Oftentimes, that usually comes off with a little bit more of a harsher tone. And it's not my intention. Um, And I do, I have learned that sometimes I have to retract the things that I say and like rephrase them. One of the things that in learning to be a more patient and present mom was actually the ability to step back and look at my communication and how I was speaking to my kids and how I was speaking to myself and how I was speaking to my husband. And before, when I was trying to be all these things outside of me and look like or experience life like all these other people and their own seasons of life, their own journeys and destinies of life, their own walks with the Lord, when I was trying to be all that, I had no awareness really around how I was communicating. And that is like one of the biggest factors. How we communicate emotionally, mentally, physically, and spiritually with ourselves is going to reflect directly on those around us, our kids and our spouse and then our extended family and then our coworkers and friends and so on and so forth. But if we don't take the time to actually step back and look at what that communication looks like, our anxiety goes through the roof because we're doing things we know we shouldn't do or we don't want to do, but we can't figure out why we're doing them or what's causing them. And then we're on this like hamster wheel of constantly chasing, trying to live the life that everybody else is living that we think is better or greater or whatever. And it's like, God just wants you to slow down and look at your own life. God just wants you to slow down and look at your own self. I talk about this verse so often because it's such a profound like anchor in this season of my life right now. And it's Proverbs 3, 5, 6. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. That happens when we start slowing down. And for someone who's very rooted in a survivalistic tendency, meaning that you're very hyperactive, very quick to make decisions, fly from the seat of your pants, you lack confidence, you lack discipline, you lack any form of like positive positivity reflection, like back towards yourself. So positive thoughts or positive language or positive habits, right? And then you're constantly blaming and shaming and doubting and guilting yourself for everything you are doing. It's likely because you're in a state of survivalism and you either don't know that or hopefully you're working on it. And if you're not, keep tuning into this podcast every week because I'm going to help you to shift out of that, to heal and overcome that. So being in that state of survivalism and we chase, we chase when we're in that place and we think that if we're doing more, it is naturally going to get us further faster or it's going to get us to where we think we want to be a lot quicker. But the truth and the reality is, is that that survivalistic mechanism, that voice of the enemy is telling you that you need to do all these things in order to have all these other things. And in reality, God says, slow down, submit to me, lean not on your own understanding, tune in, find me. And that's where we're going to start the work. In all the things New Age spirituality, one of the references that I feel got highly twisted because it literally just created narcissists and idols out of ourselves, which I don't agree with. But one of the concepts that can be very profound and biblically led literally by this same scripture is we actually do need to pause and start looking at ourselves, not to idolize or worship ourselves and be the creators of our reality and universe because that's never true. We are never the driver of our own bus though we are in can be in survival mode and think that we are. If we don't pause and start looking inward, we're never going to figure out what's going on. You're never going to figure out what your purpose is, let alone what you need to integrate into and heal and work on and overcome right now to be able to get to Maybe even a better destiny than what you were chasing or what you thought, the understanding of what you thought you needed. God might have a totally different direction for you. I used to think when I was doing New Age that I was helping people, that I was saving people. I, I, me, me, ee, e, right? Mm-mm. I actually wasn't because one of the things that really caught my attention was I, I'm typically very an analytical person. So I'm very observant. I love I'm the person at the restaurant who's sitting there, almost ignoring the person standing and sitting in front of me and not because I'm on my phone, but because I'm eavesdropping on everybody else's conversations. (laughs) I've just like always been that way. Being a server was always so much fun because you were constantly like in conversation with other people, you get these like quick bites of information and survival mode (laughs) at its finest. Um, Anyways, I digress. That's the story for another time. So one of the things that actually led me to God was looking at what what my clients were experiencing and what their overall journey looked like. And so they were coming in with problems, internal problems, external problems, financial, mental, emotional, physical, health, relationship problems, past problems, childhood problems, all the things, problems. And they wanted to heal them. So that was, let's say, the the same. And then what I found was as we applied all these other tactics like spirit guides and card readings and meditations and tapping and breathing, like all these things, it was just tacking more and more and more things on that even if they picked one and stuck with it, it wasn't actually helping the problems that they wanted solved or healed. It was just redirecting their focus to either trying to avoid it or ignore it or pretend like they themselves were overcoming it. Now, I need to put a caveat in this because there is very real, logical, tangible science surrounding the idea of cell assembly. So this is basically the entire concept of Dr. Joe Dispenza, where our thoughts create a reality. When we are exposed to anything for long periods of time, our bodies will formulate or reconstruct new cells and new connections that create a new experience. So that's real. Now, underneath that, it was like, okay, but who's doing that? How is that possible? Yes, that makes sense. Okay, you know, we expose ourselves to new things. We can, our bodies can heal in that regard and so on and so forth. So that's happening. But who did that? Who created that? Who's the painter behind the painting, right? And so I'm looking at these experiences and I'm constantly learning, trying to find the best method and modality because equally not everybody's going to resonate and relate with every single one or a specific one. So as a practitioner, we got to fill our toolbox with tools to help the person who has a different form of learning or um, love language and we got to figure out what these look like for them. I digress. I digress. So I go and I'm asking these questions, you know, what's the root cause of their problem? What is the root cause of their anxiety? What is the root cause of their challenge? You know, okay, what method is best? Why is it best? Why is that method best? How can it help? Who created that? What is that serving? How is that serving them? How is that helping them to go out and serve somebody else? So I'm asking all these questions. And I understand that at the core of energy is a creator right? Like energy cannot be created and destroyed outside of it having been created. Something, someone had to create it and then it is so infinite that it cannot be created or destroyed outside of that which is unbelievably fascinating, right? Even ashes turn into or wood turns into ashes which goes back into the atmosphere chemically and physically and then it can be transformed into new molecules and particles and all these like it's life is so fascinating it's so incredible and then you tack on humans and human behavior and that it's like it is like a jungle (laughs) psychology is even just blowing my mind more learning about psychology is blowing my mind and realizing like literally life is a jungle it, it takes more faith to believe that God did not create all of this than it does to submit and understand like, yeah, he clearly, like clearly, like it's actually takes more work to believe that he is not real, which is so interesting. You have to have more faith to believe he's not real. So like atheists, it's like, I'm not, I don't have faith. It's like you actually do. And you have more faith than like the, the, the average person who claims they have faith. Really fun. Anyways, I'm getting off track. So logically I'm doing all this thinking and I'm like where is the root and I grew up Catholic I put air quotes around that it was kind of like go on Sunday you know appease other people I don't really know the doctrine I knew the basic outlines of the stories of Jesus and that was kind of it and so I knew God existed and logically at the very least I understood that someone created all this so I wanted to know who is that Okay, so spirituality is about, okay, goddesses and deities and guides and all these different gods and how they perform and how they operate and what they offer us. And I'm like, okay, well, who's the top, right? Like if I'm going to go to the source, everyone's talking about source energy, What what is the source? So I go to the source and it's like, God, okay. Then it became a question, who is he? Who is he? How do I know who he is? Where do I learn about him? What does he actually say? Because what I think that he should say and what I want him to say and what he actually says is is going to be very different. And then it goes, okay. So I go to the Bible. And I realize that all these concepts that I had floating around in my mind and that a lot of people talked about online, especially in the new age uh, world around God and source energy and it all being the same, it is absolutely not. It is not the same at all. God is out of space and time. Source energy is just uh, a word that you're using to honestly work with the devil. And not a lot of people like to hear that, but we like to skip over the BS here and just kind of get right to the point. So, other than me telling the story, I don't get to the point very quickly. <laughs> We're working on that. We're working on that. So, asking these questions, finding God, finding out who he actually is beyond my own understanding, and I realized that all these new age things that I'm doing is not only not helping people, but it is of demonic practices. Literally to the point that Oracle cards. The word oracle is rooted in the word occult. And occult is literally of the devil. It is demonic practices. So I'm like, oh, okay. Well, I was super ignorant and aloof to that. Now I'm not. And after four years of serving people with readings and developing their intuition, which your intuition is a very real thing. You innately have Mother's intuition, you know things, you don't know how you know them, you feel things, you don't know how you're feeling them. You hear things, no, you're not crazy, you're schizophrenic, like you actually heard your name being called when no one is clearly calling your name. With that being said, it's about what source, who you're rooted into, that is bringing you those intuitive instincts. Because the devil can work just as much energy and magic and miracles as God can not the same Satan's going to use them for his own regard in chaos and destruction because that's what he does in keeping you even in just keeping you away from God if he can keep you away from God and um God through Jesus like if he can keep you away from all of that yeah he's got you that's all he's got to do he's just got to convince you enough that you don't know enough or you're not worthy enough or it's not good enough or it's not a good enough explanation or that he isn't what everybody or what the Bible says he is that's all he's gotta do. And he's got you. Now you're you're we're all destined on the road to hell. He's got you still on that road, as long as he can convince you of the very least of that. So he has the power to perform miracles and, and all these wondrous things. That is that is new age energy work. That is spirituality at its essence. Miracles and and just amazing energy things, right? So then it I realized, well, I don't want to serve. The devil, by no means, I don't know who logically chooses that, although I do know that there are people out there who do, which is crazy. But I mean, those demons, when they get a hold of you and you have that trauma embedded in you, it is not always logical to let go of them or even see them. Oftentimes, some people are so possessed that they look like they're living an average life outside of their spiritual practice, um, but they don't even realize what they're saying and they're doing. Like their, their soul is dormant, which is a whole other thing, a whole other podcast episode. Mm-hmm. And so as I started to realize this, I started to realize that between the difference between I had some clients who were believers of Jesus and, and most of them who weren't. And so I just did like a simple analysis comparing the difference between those who were of Christ and those who were not. Those who were of Christ knew that spiritually they needed help. And that they were willing to submit to something greater than themselves because they knew at any given point they were always limited to their own understanding. And okay, that's neutral. Those who were not of Christ were so desperate for answers that they would do just about anything dependent upon their line of morality to overcome a challenge. It was incessant moon cycles and and ritual circles, and Reiki healings, and energy work, and card pullings, and thousands upon thousands upon thousands of dollars, and investing in other people who are always limited to their own understanding, and who also have their own life going on at the same time, blending and streaming of energy is a very real thing. When you connect and converse with a person over the phone, over text message, over the internet, it's why when somebody texts you something, you go, oh, why did they say it that way? When they, they just typed words on a screen you can feel it you can feel that energy there is a real energy exchange so when you go to somebody who's infusing energy into your system they're also blending in wherever they're at in that day and i knew that but i didn't understand how that could not be good for people Um, and always just talked about the awareness around that if you're having a bad day you know obviously postpone your clients they probably hopefully understand more than they won't have policies in place so on and so forth But then when I looked at it from the spiritual context of now serving God and serving the enemy, it was like, oh, the people who were of Christ, they weren't better people per se, but they just had a deeper understanding of submission. They had a deeper understanding of grace. They were more willing and could let go and forgive so much easier equally themselves and... They weren't as stuck in the same incessant, obsessive, like hamster wheel cycles of I got to get more, got to get more, got to get more, got to get more from this and 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 this. this. It's like this. Nothing was ever fulfilling, whereas those who were coming for help. And they had a foundation in Christ, so they spent the time reading their own Bibles, they would go to their churches, they would their community was more with Um, other christians than it was your average everyday person they were genuinely more happier and they knew that they had problems that they just didn't quite understand how to unpack or become aware of but there was also such a fear of the lord that they didn't want to do anything that was not of god whereas people not of god or not of jesus are running around kind of like a chicken with their head cut off trying to find the next thing that's going to fulfill them I think of like somebody at a buffet, right? If they're, if you're someone who's very emotionally traumatized and food is your crutch or your vice, you're going to go there and you're going to be like eating off your plate as you're filling up your plate and you're going to be sitting down and you're going to have more plates and you're going to have more and there's more and more and more. The same thing happens energetically to us when we're in that state of survivalism and we don't have Jesus or the Holy Spirit in us to convict us. We know there are things we're doing that aren't right or that are bad or that are wrong And that they're definitely not helping us and that they're continuing to cause a problem. But we don't know how to like interrupt that pattern because we're leaning solely on our own understanding and or we also have the attachments to demonic possessions. And when we do that and we don't have Jesus, the only name that can cast away all demonic um, spirits, we're just running around with our heads running around like a chicken with a head cut off. So, I'm looking at this and I'm observing this, and I'm realizing that there is clearly something here that I'm missing. And so, when I came back to the Bible and I realized and recognized that what I had been doing was absolutely not of God, it just made so much sense to me logically that aligned with the miracles that had taken place with my husband only a couple of years before that, just really solidified that there is someone so much greater than my own knowledge and understanding greater than any single one person's greater knowledge and understanding that lives and exists beyond space and time and sees and knows all and created it all I was like wow and and created the act of um, eternal sacrifice for us right so we have all these other spiritual beliefs that say reincarnation or dharma or Um, So what we what we live out in this life is an extension to or a healing of a past life. And it's like, yeah, but you can't prove that, right? Like the evolutionary theory, the evolutionary theory states that we have evolved from monkeys to man. And that's a, simply a theory, because in order for something to be factual, it has to be observable. And, and the time frame in which that evolution has supposedly happened is thousands upon thousands upon thousands of years. And you, nobody lives thousands upon thousands upon thousands of years. So it's speculation. We can have similar genetics to a different species, but it doesn't make us an evolution of that species. There has never been uh, one species that has evolved into another, a dog into a cat or a mouse into a beaver like there's they might have similar genetic makeup but one has not become the other so the evolutionary theory is out. Same with um, so I come back to this thing that I was trained in past lives readings and understanding past lives and the connection from there to this and As much as you can let your imagination and your your intuition go to explore what that could look like for someone, you know, really opening up the creative lens within your brain, it doesn't mean it's actually true though. And that was hard for me when I started going from the shift from new age to Jesus because there were so many things that I believed that I also taught other people that I was really humbled about having to face. Maybe I actually just didn't know and maybe that in fact just wasn't true and that was really hard because I built a very successful business on thinking that that was in fact truth, only to come to realize that it actually wasn't. Or at the very least, there is no way to prove that it is true, which means that if you can't prove that something's true, then it probably isn't true. And so with the eternal life, how, how can no one person, when you die, you die. You can't come back and say, ha ha, just kidding, here's what I learned. Though there are people with near-death experiences and some that like my husband who experienced going into this like cloud of being infinitely in a second and a second and an infinite and seeing above the world and seeing, you know, kind of what if you've ever studied near-death experiences, how people talk about you see every single moment of your life flash before your eyes as if you are living it in that infinite second. And you see every person you've come across, the people that you know deeply or you've just spoken to briefly. And that's common. And some people have the experience where they meet Jesus. Some people have the experience where they go from that place to then meeting the devil. And then there's some people who just experience something slightly different to that extent. But that doesn't mean that you just don't go to heaven because a couple people had the experience and a couple people didn't. If you have people who have met the devil and you have people who have in fact met Jesus in a near-death experience and come back to tell about it, even if it's one-in-one, that needs to be taken so seriously because that is proof that what the Bible says is in fact true. Even if you're someone who's like, yeah, but there's all these other experiences, it at the very least proves that the Bible is true. I'm not saying that it's truer, I'm just saying it proves that it's true. That what God has literally had man write in the scripture is in fact true. And there are an account on either side, someone who's met Jesus and someone who's met the devil, there's thousands by the way, tens of thousands where that is people have met Jesus and people have met the devil on either side. But if there is one in one, it does in fact make it true. And it actually happens all the time where people have these insanely high religious experiences from a near-death passing. It is so cool. I digress. So I'm looking at this, I'm looking at the miracles, I'm looking at this testimony. For me, I'm like, there's nothing else. Like I could sit here and I could go through all the religions, which like hilariously, I decide two and a half years later I'm gonna go back to school. I'm doing my degree in behavioral psychology. So that I can be licensed because the goal is to eventually open a facility because I am going to take and what I do take is aspects of what I learned in spirituality from more of the quantum theory perspective, like unpacking your trauma, you got to learn how to be aware of your emotions and your physical actions and your energy. And there are ways to do that without worshiping or tapping into occultic practices. Like, there's actual principle theories that you can learn about yourself behaviorally, spiritually, and psychologically that help you to better understand you. And a lot of the religious, the Christian doctrine doesn't touch that. Though there there's um, aspects in the Bible, in Corinthians and Ephesians, that talk about our spiritual gifts. There isn't anywhere that talks about the the scientific theory of unpacking self-awareness and so that was something that I did learn in new age that has been insanely helpful to myself and my clients and the knowledge that I do have in helping people to overcome and decompress and heal from their anxiety you really do need both parts right like God can convict you through Jesus and the Holy Spirit to be aware of the things that you're doing to catch yourself in the moment to to be uh, present when you are out of control. But if you don't know what's happening underneath that or what the causes or why, why, the why's and the how's and the what's or even the who's sometime, because oftentimes trauma can block us from actually remembering who caused it or what actually in fact happened, it'll influence our memory. Uh, When you start to heal and you start to unpack that, Not only do you learn to think differently, but those layers that were blocking that memory start to come off. Right? That's the importance of it. So we can pray over it. And we can pray and be able to forgive and to release and to sell assembly a different experience. But you need to be exposed to new language and different people and different environments. It's why getting into environment like positively influencing environments is so important because it helps you to get out of your own way to get out of the isolation to get out of toxic environments even if the life that you live right now with the people you have in your life right now isn't necessarily toxic if it's like mundane if there's nothing different if there's the same conversations and the same complaints and you know the same small plots on the backs right if it's not actually growing you you're staying the same god has a bigger plan and purpose for you we're meant to evolve we were meant to connect we were meant to be in community we're meant to not stay in the same community for like long and long and long periods of time now you can i'm not saying leave your family and never talk to them again or leave your friends that are like good for you and never talk to them again or when somebody's going through a crisis to never talk to them because that's toxic i'm not saying that But you have to learn to expose yourself to different things. Of course, obviously, rooted in a place of Jesus. I'm not saying go out in temptation and sin. So as I'm looking at this, there's the miracles of my husband. I'll share that episode. um, Or I'll share that on another episode, his miraculous healing, which really was the catalyst for it all. I'm sitting in my office at, we had decided at this one point where we were going to move out of our acreage. We were going to go do the RV life. Our landlord at the time had a plot of land that was set up for an RV if we wanted to stay there. We were going through some crazy financial things and uh, just really recouping and paying off a bunch of debt and getting ourselves in a better stable position. And we're like, okay, let's go RVing. It'll be so nice to just downsize and throw everything away and get rid of stuff. And that's literally what we did. And I'm sitting in this office that we made for me and I'm having this spiritual conflict. And everything, because I was like, we're going to move here. Our expenses have been cut to like a quarter. We're going to make a lot of money online helping people. And we're going to basically go buy a house. At Where my sales were at, that was absolutely possible. We had moved into this place two months earlier. I'm in the middle of this spiritual confliction. And I just couldn't bring myself to take another client or do anything else that was teaching new age stuff. I didn't even know what I was going to do. Thankfully, I had been learning cognitive behavioral therapy along the way. So that logical piece was still there. I could absolutely lean on that. But spiritually, energetically, it wasn't the same anymore. I couldn't couldn't logically teach people. The Holy Spirit convicted me in that moment. I couldn't logically teach people the energy components of it anymore, the way that I was doing it because it wasn't true. It wasn't right and it wasn't helping them and it was actually – creating it was becoming a bigger catalyst subconscious catalyst for their chaos and destruction and I sat in that oh my goodness it was so hard I ended up just having to press play on a live on Instagram and I did this whole dark to light series over three days and I just had to start unpacking it and just like guys I'm so sorry I'm pulling a um uh what's the name of that lady who made all those scores not Dolores Cannon um denise starts with a d anyways she made a bunch of oracle cards she got really famous for it and then she denounced her work and turned to jesus it'll come to me in the middle of my next sentence anyways i'm pulling up this lady and i just can't do this anymore here's why refunds message me where are we at like i'm not i'm not here to take people's money um yeah, it was a really hard, hard thing to do. And then not only was that hard because I had built myself up publicly only to have it literally come crumbling down in an instant of this, what I thought was just like, hey, what's helping and what's not helping? Oh, <laughs> demonic practices. Like that is not what I where I thought that that was going to go. And yet that is where it went and humbled in the moment. So not only did I have to call myself out publicly, Why I had positioned myself as this like great authority. And uh, I then had to do the internal work of working through the shame and the blame and the pain and my own personal trauma that convicted me to even seeking out what this healing work in the first place. I couldn't avoid any of that anymore. I had to pull back and do that work. So two months in, I get this conviction. I go online I still was running programs just more from like a a neutral standpoint. Um, We stayed in the trailer for, I think, another six months. And then Phil started getting sick again and we had to move out. And so we ended up moving an hour and a half in two hours in the opposite direction of where we were. And we found this beautiful house in the small town, like really great price. uh, What we thought at the time was a wonderful community and it was what we needed for that two years. And this was the house we lived in before we moved to where we are today. And during that time, I never thought church would be such a catalyst for me for better until we had, I'd put out this like Facebook ad in their community group out there and was like, hey, we're a family just moved here and we're homeschooling. Don't do the whole COVID thing. So like if you do, we probably won't be a good match. Anyways, if you want to meet up because this was still like 2021, um, send me a message. And it was like January. And so we ended up having this couple come over and they're two kids. And they at the time seemed like really great people. They introduced us to the church we never knew we needed. And it was filled with so many incredible people like God-fearing, Jesus-loving, like amazing, genuine people. Not perfect, but you could tell that God and the Holy Spirit lived and resided within this church. They were all generational farming families, you know. Not all of them, but most of them. And they all worked to hold each other accountable and to question things and have great conversations. There was so much charity work and community work that they did together. And it wasn't some big, massive, mighty church. It was this small church in Killam, Alberta. And it was truly, like, I want to say the part that really allowed me to understand that a life really can be saved. Um, we chose to get baptized in that church. Phil and I got re-baptized. I was baptized as a kid, but I feel like that's so counterintuitive. Like it's children just so unaware. You got, you have to choose it. I really do believe you have to choose it for yourself. Otherwise you won't be convicted in it. Um, it's like forcing someone to wear a mask, right? They're going to resent it. And it's why there's likely why I believe so many people fall away from the church because they're not... They don't understand the true value in it and they haven't chosen it for themselves. Um, With that being said, this church was everything. Like, I spent years pulling away from all friendships of any kind and I finally found friends within this church. Wonderful, wonderful people. I really can't say enough about this um, the Baptist church in Killam. If you ever have the opportunity to go there, go and stop by, enjoy a sermon on Sunday. They are just the most incredible people. And I love accountability. And that's something that they all really hold high as a standard in that church is accountability. Um, which is really cool. So that led me to church and church led me to understand, what the embodiment of Jesus really looks like in people, not because they're perfect, not because they don't make mistakes, but because they're willing to say I'm sorry and to submit on their like in their own practices and with a church without shame and blame and guilt, right? It was just honestly, like, so amazing. The people who brought us there ended up not being who they said they were, which is fine. That's a story not necessarily meant for this podcast but that was uh, also the duality of seeing what or why a lot of people turn away from Christianity because of people who say that they are of God but just clearly are not equally equally to come back to the very point that I made at the beginning of this podcast why it is so important to do this work not just praying to God and reading your bible and Going to church, but why it is so important to unpack your trauma and do the inner work. Because this, these people were a prime example of what avoiding that looks like and why the hypocrisy is so relevant and real in reality. Um, it was it's the same, it it ends up being the same thing as new age spiritual practice where people will say, oh, I'm healing, I'm healing, I'm healing, but then they are the most condemning, judgmental, hypocritical, um, trauma-responding type of people. And I'm not saying that in a judgmental way. I really do want a context that I am saying this purely objectively and observationally. And there are also times where I do this. So let me just like (laughs) open this door here, right? The difference I would say is, I'm, I'm willing to be wrong. I'm willing to be wrong. And that's what submitting online and saying like, hey guys, I actually was wrong. That moment really taught me that there are going to be countless times in my life where I am wrong, where I am doing things that might be harming people, though I never intend to or want to. And I could only hope that God will place the people in my life, life that will hold me accountable or reflect that back to me. And equally, that he will continue to help me to do that inner work. Because you can't sit on a couch with your hand out and say, I want to win the lottery, but never get up and go to work or sell things or pursue other adventures to make more money. You can't say, I want to be $100,000 debt free and literally do nothing about it and then say, Woe is me, problems is me, I can't figure this out, I'm not good enough, this is just the cards that I'm dealt. That's not true. Like we live in a day and age where Honestly, there's no excuse why people can't make over $100,000 a year. Whether it's selling MLM products, whether it's making your own t-shirts, whether it's like somehow going, figuring out how to go viral on TikTok with a product or doing something you love or even just out of charity. Like there's so many ways for us to be able to make money in life. I'm using that as an example because that's typically a lot of people's biggest like hold up is like, okay, but how or I want more of money or to be debt free. But you can't experience those things if you don't do the work. And and then yeah, just it ended up being a really crazy experience. So anyways, I digress. Life moved us into this beautiful home even coming to this home, like you guys, honestly, like I'm just gonna take a half a second here. And I feel so awkward even saying this. My house is really nice. Like we are renting. And it is by God's grace that we are even in this house that we found it, that it looks the way that it does that we can even afford it. Like, oh my goodness, it is. It's really nice. And I had so much chaos come up within me. We so when we were looking for a place, if you've ever tried to rent a place, probably this is everywhere, but for our experience in Edmonton, most of the houses are done through rental companies or rental property management companies and like none of the houses were taken care of. Some of them, their fridges were turned off so there would have been mold in it. They absolutely stunk. The people weren't going to be, well, You at that point, the one house needed the fridge replaced and they were not going to do that. So that was a no-go. You'd have like 50 to 100 families go through the same place. There's one house where like this lady had her dogs just peeing all over the house. You walked in, you were hit with the smell of ammonia. It was super gross. And it was like, yep, no problem. We're going to deep clean it. I'm like, you need to literally replace the floors. Like you can't clean that anyways it was crazy so we didn't want a rental property we have had insanely incredible landlords since the beginning of me and Phil getting together and moving in and having a place and we wanted to deal with real people and when we found this place at the beginning it was out of our budget and then it worked out where it was in our budget and so we looked at it we came here it's a wonderful family they do Airbnb properties, this particular house they were looking to sell. So they had it up for Airbnb for sale and for rent. And they're like, whichever one goes first. And like, we came in a week after it was listed. And we're like, okay, yeah, this is our house. And when we were signing the papers, I was in such a state of survivalism. I was like, oh my goodness, like, how are we going to make this work? Like, this is crazy. How do we live here? Who are we to live here? I had all these thoughts and I treated it like that. I was in this constant state of stress. And because I do the inner work after about two days of like living in a state of turmoil, even though there's literally nothing wrong, I started to ask myself, why? What is this? What's the cause of this? What am I doing? What, where, where's this voice coming from? and i could recognize that a lot of it was anxiety a lot of it was lack of worthiness a lot of it was lack of trust and lack of faith that like, who is who am i t- for god to give this to like what what happened here what did what did i do and i didn't want to even show And i didn't even want anybody coming to our house because i didn't want them to think something of me no there's nothing wrong like we just like landed a really nice house and so just unpacking that like Doing the inner work around that, I uncovered so many things about myself around I, I was burnt out. I was stressed and overwhelmed. I did have a lot of disbelief. There were aspects of my anxiety that were keeping me from a deeper connection in my faith. And thankfully, at the same time, I was also going to be going on my week long retreat for the mastermind that I'm in. Mentorship this year has really changed a lot of my life it has allowed me to be more accountable to have a deeper level of awareness to learn things that i was blind to before it convicted me deeper in my faith and you know just like i met the most incredible women in this place and so at that retreat i finally had this opportunity to step back from being a mom and being a wife and running a business and just like be present and be a sponge and decompress and i revealed God revealed so much to me around my emotions and my self-sabotage and my habits. And I've been working on myself in these last 10 months and leaning into this purpose of just being a more present and patient and calm mom that it really brought me to this point at the retreat where it was like this full circle moment where I could finally let go because I finally understood what was standing in my way. Sometimes that takes like a minute. Sometimes that takes a week. In this case for me, it was like 10 months. And it's not always about leaving your house and leaving your environment and running away from your kids or your life to see it or to be able to experience it or to believe it or whatever to learn differently. You just have to be willing to expose yourself to new communities and people that you relate to or resonate with that you know has an expertise in the field that you need help with. And you got to create the means or find the way or ask for the help to do it. And that was me. I've been humbled so many times that it's like my testimonies of the Lord and, and him working in the most phenomenal and mystical ways is honestly at this point like I don't have enough fingers and toes to count them in these last 10 months alone let alone the ways I can recognize in which he has worked in my life prior. My testimony isn't one of like one particular event. It's some really big specific events that led to all these incremental experiences of grace and fortitude and abundance and awareness and challenge, Challenge challenges in there too, and uncovering and healing and deconstructing like so much of it that led me to this place where I finally found something that I can grow into beyond just needing to focus on becoming a present and patient mom because in this 10 months I built in those habits of that non-negotiable. I built in the ability to understand my style of communication. I built in the ability to continue to go deeper with my levels of self-awareness. I am exposing myself in um, licensed training and in community to people who think different and bigger and greater and deeper. I'm going deeper in my experience with the Lord. And so having this ability, not everybody needs, who has challenges needs to go get a degree in psychology. Not everybody who has anxiety needs to go to a week-long retreat to be able to unpack their trauma. You just need to start with asking for help and asking for help from the Lord. And then two, got to be willing to take the steps that he guides you to. You got to stop attaching yourself to this idea of all these other places of where you think you should be and start understanding that God's going to use you right where you are today. He's going to use you right as you are today. Not because he accepts who you are today. Let's make that very clear, right? I feel like personally my belief or my perspective is that it's not until we get to that throne That he then decides whether he accepts who we are or not. So there's this notion that God accepts who you are. No. Nowhere in the Bible does it even ever say that. Literally nowhere. There is not a single scripture that even alludes to it. He does not accept who you are today. But he loves you where you are today. And he will use you as you are today. To bring more glory to him to help you to continue to transform your life so that you can be a greater servant to him and as a repercussion of taking your focus off yourself which is like the whole idolization of the new age movement is worshiping yourself and as you put your focus on him he is going to bless you in opportunities in people in solutions in healing in resolution in being able to see the enemies working in your life, to see where you're your own enemy in your life. That's a real thing. He's going to use you as you are today. So my testimony, my experience taught me to stop, to pull back, to stop filling my calendar with lists of things to do and check boxes and just learn to be more present with the Lord. And that has changed so much about me. And it actually helped me to fulfill a lot of things that I would have otherwise wanted to. But I was approaching it from a place of lack and survivalism. And so I wasn't getting anywhere. And I wasn't getting anywhere with that for years. And now as I approach these things and I've gotten to places that I wanted to be back then that I'm now achieving today. I'm not doing it because I get it. I'm doing it because my focus is on him and I know that through this discipline and through these habit changes and through this healing, I get to serve him in a greater way. My focus isn't even on me. I'm just doing what he's calling me to do. And it's working. That doesn't mean it's not challenging. But he's using me as I am today, where I am at today, to reach you, where you are today. To help you to understand that where you are today isn't a problem. That he loves you where you are today and if you're willing to submit to him and lean not on your own understanding he's going to make your path straight which means that he's going to help you clean up your personal self and life first because if we don't make our own beds at the beginning of the day we cannot sustain or even remotely expect to go out and change the world and he changes the world so i love you guys I hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, They're going to be next week. As going to be one that's dropping on three ways to unpack anxious shame and what that looks like for you. This was a really great video that I did in the Facebook community. You can go and pop in there, Anxious Free Mama, and watch it early. Um, I'm going to do a deep dive on the podcast for you as well. All right. You have the opportunity to rise. She has risen is a movement. For women to come into deeper levels of healing, heal their anxiety, and live a more meaningful and purpose-led life. And you can have that. I'm going to take our final minute here to share with you what we have kicking off on November 6th. We are going to be running the next round of the Destiny Moment program. This is an eight-week program that has two phases to it. The first phase is literally teaching and helping you to unwind that question. Why, what am I blocked with? What, why am I blocked? How am I blocked? What's stopping me? What's limiting me? Why can't I figure this out? Why do I keep sabotaging? The first phase is that. It is both a teaching and a mentorship component to helping you to unwind that. I should say more counseling to unwind that. The second component is the moving forward. You're going to be encouraged throughout the entire experience to lean more into your faith, into your daily devotions. We're going to have daily devotionals as a community um, and as a group coaching program that's going to take you into the new year. So we're going to kick off the first six weeks together. We're going to break for two and a half weeks for Christmas. And then we're going to kick off the second week of January again and finalize our revival, finalize your revival in moving forward with then being creative and dreaming and expanding into what else is possible for you okay so you have this plan of what you need to do to unpack this trauma this internal drama this anxiety and the habits you're going to build and reinforce into that and then what see that's where a lot of people get really stuck something that I recognized when I was asking that question, you know, what's the difference between these two groups of people is also one of the biggest things is those in Jesus actually moved forward. They didn't just always constantly focus in the past and that's a big entrapment for new age spiritualities that keeps you just constantly focused on you need to unpack and and reveal all the stuff from your past over and over and over and over again. We're not doing that anymore. We're in Jesus. We move forward, right? Jesus moves us forward and we're going to look at what that looks like. So when you do have more time and you're not stuck in your head and you're not overwhelmed with the laundry and all the things because you have your schedule down of Tuesdays and Thursdays. Those are your laundry days. That's what works for me. We figure out what works best for you because not everybody operates in the same capacity. So it is, though, a group coaching program independently focused as well because not only do you get the one-on-one coaching with me through our group um, containers, there's always time for that, but each person also gets one call a month with just me. You can upgrade as well to the VIP option where you get Voxer access to me personally, individually, the whole time through so that we can even do more work together. That's totally up to you and where you're at. With that being said, we're going to move you forward. We're going to figure out what your purpose is so that as you're healing and integrating the habits that are moving you out of your past ways, out of your subliminal subconscious programming of wounds what that looks like for you even moving forward, what you're working towards. We are competitive by nature. We need something to focus on to help us to stay consistent and better ourselves, right? Just same thing with the lottery and the prayer. You can sit on the couch, you can pray for the lottery to heal your debt, but if you don't actually do anything to work towards that, the likeliness of it is never going to come. If you don't actually ever go buy the ticket, it's never going to come, right? So what do you need to do to move yourself forward? What do you want to do? do you is your thing losing weight is your thing being a more present mom is it starting a foundation is it helping people what does that even look like we gotta unpack where you are first but we don't have to skip over this other component that moves you forward so that's what the destiny moment program is going to be about eight weeks of unraveling and rising and i am so excited about this message me the details will be in the show notes and the link to sign up as well um I'm so pumped. We already have two women in. I literally just started talking about this not even a couple days ago. And we're kicking off with a great start. So this is going to be good. Um, I think that was everything. I think that was everything for this episode. All right. I love you guys. I will see you next week. I can't wait to support you in unpacking anxious shame. That's going to be a really good one for a lot of you, especially those of you who have history with secret keeping. All right. I love you. Have a wonderful day. I hope you enjoyed this episode and found the faith and encouragement you needed to rise up and conquer. I'm on a mission to impact 500,000 women with this work, and I need your help to do it. If you could leave a five-star review and share this with a friend, I will be forever grateful. Remember, Jesus is the only name that can conquer all darkness, and it is up to you to choose him daily so that you can live a purpose-filled, Holy Spirit-led life too.